That must be the sound of the business buzz. Welcome. This is your host, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm here for the next hour to educate you about business. I've got a lot of different topics that I think you'll find very interesting. I sure did. The first thing I wanted to talk about was the tax reform. It sounds like uh, things are not going to go along quite the way they were uh, anticipated when Trump first took office. It looks like things are slow. One of the things is that the House has to pass a budget by the end of September for 2018's budget because the budget resolution will be the vehicle by which lawmakers can use reconciliation rules to allow a simple majority of senators to approve a tax reform plan. So the bottom line is the only way this thing can be done with a tax reform with a simple majority, which would be 51 senators, is that if it's uh, inside the budget uh, that's done by the end of September. So that's the way it's going to happen if it does happen. Here's the problem. There's certain tax taxes that Trump claim to be trying to get rid of. Uh, there's a 3.8% surtax on investment income. That's kind of a kind of a wealthy person's tax, but that's one of the things that actually is part of the Affordable Care Act, uh, better known as Obamacare. And that particular tax would have gone away had Obamacare been repealed or something. But since that hasn't happened, now we have to get rid of these uh, Affordable Care Act taxes through some kind of tax reform. So it's actually going to make it a lot more complicated. So I don't think we can expect to see any major tax changes, uh, at least maybe until 2018. I mean, you know, you never know, but it doesn't look like anything's going to happen real quickly. The other thing about taxes is if anybody's sitting on any uh, stocks that have made a gain, you need to know about the rule called... Uh, it's the basis, the basis rule, and the problem is there's a fallback default, and if you're going to sell a stock for a gain, if you plan this in advance, you can reduce your taxes by selling a particular block of stock. So let's just say, let's say you own uh, 500 shares of Microsoft, and let's say you bought 100 of them 30 years ago for a low price, but you just bought another hundred uh, two months ago for a higher price. That's going to be your basis if you sell. So let's say you need to sell a hundred shares of your 500 shares of Microsoft. If you direct your broker in advance to sell a particular batch of your Microsoft shares when you sell a hundred, you can use that as your basis. So let's just say let's say the the 100 shares of Microsoft that you bought in the 80s, you paid the equivalent of, say, $2 a share for, and the ones you bought a few months ago, you paid $60 a share for, and let's say right now the stock is at $70 a share. If you go and sell 100 shares without doing any pre-work uh, by talking with your broker, you will go to the default basis and the IRS will say it's called first in, first out. So they will say that the 100 shares you sold at $70 a share are the 100 shares that you paid $2 per share for, and that would be your basis. Well, when you think about that, that's going to be not good because you sold 100 shares at $70, your basis is only $2, you'll have a $6,800 capital gain to pay tax on. So here's the alternative. You tell your broker in advance that the 100 shares you're selling are the 100 shares you bought two months ago for $60 a share. In that way, when you sell 100 shares for $70 per share, you're only going to have a gain of $10 per share on this sale. Now there's other factors to consider. Uh, one factor is, is that if you sell the shares you only bought two months ago, you'll have a short-term gain, which could be taxed at a higher rate than a long-term gain. 
So you might want to pick the 100 shares you bought a year and a half ago for $50 a share and use those as your basis. My point is, is that you need to plan these things out when you're selling things. Every time you sell something, the IRS is interested in, okay, that's your selling price. We know that half of the equation. We need to know the other half of the equation, which is the basis of what you're selling. And the trick here that you need to know is that you can tell your broker in advance which group of shares it is that you're selling. So that's one tax tip I wanted to give you today that can, yeah, could, you know, could save somebody some money. If you're lucky enough to have bought Microsoft shares in the 80s, you're doing fine. Uh, you know, for a long time, Microsoft was one of those stocks that sort of stayed the same price for a long time. But I think lately it's up. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more as usual uh, about the stock market uh, as we go here today. I've got quite a few topics that I wanted to go over. I wanted to talk about a couple of local business items that uh, are happening in the Chico area. And uh, basically, the um, one of the things that came up uh, locally that was interesting was that uh, Northern California National Bank reported its profits. And uh, this was from uh, about, about a week and a half or two weeks ago. So Northern California National Bank, which is a kind of a small bank, I think they may only have the one, the one physical branch location. It's right there on Mangrove. It actually happens to be right across the street from Cozy Diner. So while you're having that delicious steak dinner, uh, you can also go over and check your bank balance. <laughs> it's, uh, th that's really a true local bank. So the fact that uh, assets were up, I'm just kind of reading a year over uh, the six-month highlights from a year ago. Uh, assets were up 8%. Uh, gross loans were up 15%. That's a good thing. That shows that they're lending money. Deposits were up 8%. So that, uh, that sort of makes sense. Remember, deposits to a bank are liabilities. It's an asset to you. It's a liability to the bank. Now, the reason I brought up this story about a local bank is this. Number one, I've never been in the bank business, so I won't pretend to know all of the ins and outs and little tricks. But I will say that if I could borrow from the Federal Reserve at one half of 1%, and I could lend out, I'm not sure what they, how they limit these different banks, but if I could lend out Oh, like here it says gross loans total $84 million. If I could lend out $80 million at, uh, let's just say 4%, that seems like the mortgage rate these days. On a, That's a fairly safe lending investment if you're a bank. I mean, of course, you know, when the mortgage crash happened, there's also ways to buy insurance. When you're a mortgage maker, you can turn around and sell that mortgage, and you're kind of out. In other words, if you notice uh, when you buy a house, the mortgage that you get when you first buy the house, usually within a few weeks, changes to a different bank or a different institution, which means that the person you actually borrowed the money from sold it to someone else. So they're no longer, they're like some of these places, they turn around, they're basically wiping their hands of your loan. Someone else owns it now. What I'm trying to get across is, if I was allowed to borrow money from the Federal Reserve at 0.5% and turn around and lend it out at 4% and then turn around and sell that investment at some sort of discount, uh, I could probably make a pretty good profit too. And, uh, you know, I'm, saying, I'm not saying uh, this bank is good, bad, or the other, but they did make a pretty good profit. What I'm saying is the whole idea of banking these days is with these strange low rate interest things going on, uh, how could you not make money? Uh, I'm just, that's, that's just my opinion. But like I say, I'm not a banker. If anybody from a bank wanted to comment with me and uh, let me know uh, how tough it is to make money on getting basically free money from the Fed, uh, let me know. But uh, I'm happy for all the shareholders and uh, happy for the officers who uh, probably make a pretty good salary at all these small local banks. I do think it's a good idea to have small local banks um, doing the, uh, you know, doing well. Uh, that's a good thing. 
But anyway, uh, I just wanted to comment on that because that was a that was a local business story that kind of stuck out for me. The fact that they're doing better than the year before is always a good thing. Uh, another local article that I wanted to talk about was the low in the these these mainly come from the Chico ER. You know, they have a business section, so it's real interesting. It's got a lot of local news. One of the stories was the Liberty Cab Drivers start a taxi spin-off company. I believe it's called Star Taxi. And uh, I think that's kind of cool. I wish them real well. I personally do use Uber, and it's very convenient. It's fairly inexpensive. Uh, one of the arguments for cab companies over Uber is that I uh, hope you don't have a wreck, uh, who's insured, things like that. To be honest, I really haven't studied that as much as I should. Uh, but for a, sm- for a short local drive through Chico, if I can get it for $6 plus a small tip, which I always give the drivers, as opposed to 12 or $13 for a cab ride, I'm probably going to go with Uber. Now, if the cabs can come up with a system as convenient and easy to use as the Uber app that I have installed, then, you know, that'd be great. And I don't have anything against uh, paying a little more for a, for a cab company, but uh, the convenience of Uber sort of leads me to use Uber and I'm not sure uh, not sure you know if the cabs are ever going to get to the point where they can come down to that same price level but if they do uh, you know I wish them well and I'm glad that's a local company that's going to stay in uh, in business instead of just you know letting Liberty Cab go out of business and not uh, and not get uh, started up with a new business so Good luck to Star Cab. I hope that goes well. And um, it's not an easy business these days with the with the internet things that are, you know, competing now. Now the other thing I noticed is on September 26th at 8 a.m. is a women's business conference at the Chico Masonic Family Center on East Avenue. And it's put on by the Small Business Development Center at Butte College. And that Small Business Development Center is really good. They offer programs. They offer seminars. They do charge a fee. But small businesses that are interested in going to a good local seminar, learning something new, you really should look into the Small Business Development Center at Butte College. I think the contact is here. I believe it's something like... um, Butte College SBDC.com. But just look up Butte College Small Business and you'll find it on the on the internet. It's a good situation for small businesses to be able to have a quality local seminar like that for a low price. I know that the price of one of the seminars I looked up for that Butte College Small Business Development was only like $50 for a four or six hour conference. So uh, those kind of seminars would be real helpful for local business people that want to brush up on some things. So uh, that the other interesting thing that I found uh, b- looking through the ER, looking for the business section, uh, was a link that they have on their front page of their paper, well, their e-paper, the online paper, and it's called the Canifornian, C-A-N-N-I-Fornian, like Californian. And I clicked on that just to see, well, I kind of guessed what it was about. But when I clicked on it, I got taken to a website for the Canifornian. If anybody doesn't know what Canna stands for, it usually stands for cannabis, which is the scientific way of saying uh, marijuana. And so I went to this website, the Canifornian, and... uh, Number one, I, I don't understand quite why the ER would have that hooked up to their website, but maybe they're involved in it directly. I don't really know. Uh, but some of the articles are um, uh, Senator Cory Booker introduces sweeping bill to deschedule marijuana, provide incentives to states to change laws. So I'm assuming he's a national represent a uh, national senator. I don't know which state he's from. And deschedule, I believe, means take marijuana off of the drug list. So that uh, that is a little strange. Uh, if there's a national move to deschedule marijuana, 
uh, giving states incentives to change laws. Um, you know, I'm not sure who's behind all this. The other interesting headline, I didn't read the whole article, but you can go to that website and take a look if you want. It says, uh, Ann Coulter, marijuana use is destroying the country. So I'm sure they're going to... I'm sure they're going to make fun of her in that one. I didn't read that yet, but uh, eh, I might if I get a little extra time with nothing to do, which I don't have that often. Then the next article says, well, I'm going to give you that next article right after this break. So stay tuned. Uh, Harold Littlejohn here. I'll be right back with Business Buzz after these messages. Hi, it's Matt Four And Erica Smith. And you should join us every Friday for Chico Down Friday at 1230, 5 and 9 p.m. Why do you say? Why should you join us? <gasps> because we like to have so much fun. We do. And we talk to people in the community, organizations and businesses. And we hope that you listen because we enjoy it. And we want you to be there because without you, we might as well be talking in a closet. <laughs> you are there, right? I am here <laughs> on KKXX 104.5 FM and 930 a.m. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. I want to be a warm place on a cold I want to day. Be a football I want to be a bike that races around the country. I want to be a bench on a forest trail. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Joyce Meyer, and I want to personally invite you to join me on this station every Monday through Friday for enjoying everyday life. You know, life's journey is challenging for all of us, and on my program, I'm going to share with you practical truths from God's Word that are going to help you live the life that God intends for you to have. Let me encourage you that Jesus came so that you can know peace and truly enjoy your everyday life. Weekdays at 1015 here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is your host, Harold Littlejohn. I was just looking at the, some of the headlines from the website called The Californian. I found it via the main page of the Chico ER. So I've got to look into whether Chico ER is uh, owning this thing or is an investor in this thing. I don't know why they would link it like that. Anyway, one of the other articles, I mentioned the Ann Coulter article where she says marijuana use is destroying the country. And I'm sure they're going to make fun of her for that. The other article on the front page of the Californian says, Scientists confirm your stoner friend is much more relaxed than you. And that's some, uh, it's written by somebody from the Washington Post. Well, anyway, I think that's that, that whole website is worth a visit. I might look into a couple of those articles just to see. But I, I can kind of guess they're, I can kind of guess where they're coming from with those. Everybody needs to know a little bit about the Washington Post. Uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times are sort of considered the newspapers of record. I was thinking last night about these articles and the things I was going to be talking about today with you, and I remember back in the 1990s, I was in the library, you know, I was thinking about how the internet has all this research available, all these things available. Of course, you can't believe what's in there, but places like Wikipedia, there's a lot of good information. There's there's footnotes to the references of where they get it. There's even little things that say this article need, or this fact, uh, some of the footnotes say this fact that we just said about something needs to be backed up better, you know, if you have it, and then you can go in and edit Wikipedia. In that respect, it's kind of cool. The problem I see with Wikipedia is if you get into something, if you get into a subject that's not mainstream or not black and white, I mean, you, like, you can look up, you know, uh, the, the size of the Pacific Ocean, and Wikipedia will give you a big article like an encyclopedia that tells you the facts about the size of the Pacific Ocean. I don't think anybody's had a big arguments with that. 
The problem is you look up something like uh, the war on drugs or the Afghanistan heroin crop, and then, you know, what are you really going to be reading? Uh, you know. So the reason I brought that up was that if you know the Washington Post was recently bought by the owner of Amazon.com. So if you consider, oh, and my story was is that back in the 90s, I had a day where I had to research, I believe I was researching some tax library things that we didn't have at the office I worked at in Oakland. So I was in the microfish section. Does anybody remember microfish? When you needed to look up old newspaper articles, they had taken the newspaper pages from, like, for instance, the New York Times and put, like, 10 years of New York Times on one reel. It was kind of like an old Super 8 movie reel that you would run through what's called a microfish machine. I don't know what it's called, but it was like a slide projector in the f- in front of you, like about a 8-inch by 10-inch, like a page-sized screen, and you would pe- you would circle that Super 8 microfish film thing through the reader, and it would magnify it onto your screen, and you would be reading the newspaper from 1885 or whenever. And each roll would have, I don't know, five or ten years on it. I can't remember. So I was in the library, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'll take an extra hour and do a little research of my own. So I became an investigative journalist, and I started reading, because I was a Beatle fan when I was a kid, and I started reading all of the New York Times articles that were referencing John Lennon's murder and the trial of his killer and the whole bit. So, because I had read some books about that and I was interested. So, anyway, I did this research using the microfish. Well, what I'm trying to say is that back then, before the internet, you really didn't have a lot of alternative news outlets where you could get anything but what I like to call the party line. So, when you look at the Washington Post and the New York Times, that's what's considered newspapers of record. In other words, those are the ones every, if you see it in there, you believe it. And so for the years before the internet, that was where you would have to go to find your fat, your quote facts. But what's interesting to me is that the Washington Post is now owned by the same guy who owns Amazon.com. And to me, that's just, I don't know, it's just kind of strange. So, uh, what I'm saying is that, you know, you're getting articles in the Washington Post talking about uh, your stoner friend is more relaxed than you. You know, what's the agenda here? And it just seems like the agenda, for whatever reason, we could, that could be debated, is there's a lot of powerful people who want marijuana legalized, and I would imagine it's economic. I would also imagine it helps to have it may help some people with their agenda to have a stoned population, and I, I, I can't confirm that. I can't prove it. It's just a thought that a thought that I had about that. So, those were some of the local articles that I was uh, talking about, and like I say, that Californian being right on the ER's front page uh, just sort of um, sort of surprised me. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure why it's there. But uh, those were some, let me see what, oh, another, uh, oh, another interesting uh, local business article that was caught my attention. Uh, and if you guys have read this before, I'm just kind of bringing it up because I find it really interesting, but maybe you haven't seen it. Uh, Chico businesswoman getting pushback from lunch dates. Uh, I don't know if you're aware that uh, this came out uh, a week, week or so ago with an update, but uh there's a local uh, downtown businesswoman who decided to have lunch groups in the uh, city plaza to sort of remind people that it's okay to go there because of the homeless problem, making it a little bit uh, nerve-wracking, I guess, for locals to visit. And the, the gist of this article is that she has felt the wrath of transients while in city plaza. She's been yelled and cursed at by transients. So um, one, uh, one uh, transient woman complained to the Chico, I'm just reading from this article, complained to the Chico Police uh, Bicycle Patrol that the businesswoman was intimidating her and others. So anyway, that was an interesting article. I'm not going to take sides on the whole transient homeless situation, 
I have an office on Mangrove, and all I can say about it is for the first, I've been there 27 years. For the first 22 years, uh, I'd see a transient or a, somebody with a backpack like that uh, maybe, you know, once a month. Now it's multiple times per day. I know the problem's getting worse. I think local businesses need to deal with it. I'm not sure what they're doing, but it sounds like this businesswoman has tried to do something about it, but um, not certain that she's uh, had a lot of success. But anyway, it sounds like she's having lunch get-togethers for downtown uh, people, shoppers and business owners, I would imagine. It looks like Wednesday and Friday at 1 p.m., but uh, I'm not certain about that. I haven't confirmed it. Okay, so let's move on to some, uh, let's go a little bigger in our sweep here. And speaking of sweeps, I, the last couple of weeks, have told you guys about the seriousness of the national debt. I've talked about what a trillion is and what 20 trillion is, which is the national debt. And that 20 trillion, here's the way that works. That 20 trillion is debt that has to be interest has to, it has it's what they call serviced it has to be serviced and that has an interest rate. Well the average interest rate on that debt is right now around 2%. So when you're looking at like we talked about the Congress having to do their budget for 2018 by the end of September, the national fiscal year the national government runs on an October 1 to September 30th time uh, fiscal year. So they have to get a budget going by the end of September for, for the year starting October 1st. So if the basic interest rate is about 2% on $20 trillion, the way to figure that is $20 trillion uh, divided by 10 is $2 trillion. Divide that by 10, that gets you back to 1%. That's $200 billion. So... 2% of $20 trillion. I knew this answer. I just wanted to, to help you with the math because uh, I have to double-check it sometimes, too. $400 billion a year is interest only when we're trying to figure our budget. And I'll be right back to talk some more about that. This is Harold Littlejohn, host of Business Buzz. Stay tuned. you go all the way to Mars for water when we have the best tasting water at Mount Shasta. It comes from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great planning, Bob. Hey, where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple. Naturally, the best Mount Shasta spring water. Hello, I'm Gary Crossland. Everything in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. Everything in the epistles points backward to Jesus. That's why I encourage people to read the words of Jesus every day. This is where emotional and spiritual health come from. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Well, where do you read his commandments? But in the Gospels. Now, I know that it's easy to get a little confused when jumping between one Gospel and the next, which is why I wrote the Merged Gospels. It's where all four Gospels are literally translated from the Greek broken down word by word and merged back together into one beautiful chronological story with not one word of scripture removed. You can't buy it in stores. It's available only online at mergedgospels.com. It's great for new believers, for personal devotions, and for group studies. There's also an audiobook, And as always, you get to name the price. Just go to mergedgospels.com. Hamilton was adopted from a rescue in 2008. He really likes to be around people. I get out my mat and I'm doing a downward dog and he's underneath. He's quite the pug about town. He gets invited to a lot of parties. He knows he's a pretty big deal. Look at this little face. I do not love him. Hamilton the pug, Instagram star and shelter pet. Amazing adoption stories start in shelters. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States and the Ad Council.
Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, your CPA host with the business news today. I've been having some fun the last couple of weeks talking to you about what the trillions really mean. I was just saying the national debt is about 20 trillion right now. Oh, and this whole thing, if you hear anybody talk about the debt ceiling, basically just ignore it because it's a joke. What is the point of a debt ceiling that every time we reach that ceiling, they just vote on expanding and raising the debt ceiling? There is no debt ceiling. It's going to go up and up and up. So what I was trying to explain to you is that if the national debt is $20 trillion and the average rate right now with these artificially low interest rates is 2%, that means that our government has to pay $400 billion a year on the interest alone. So when Congress is trying to do a budget, of course, you know, everybody thinks Trump's doing the budget. No. Remember, the Constitution says Congress is the one who does the budget. Uh, so when they're doing the budget, they have to factor in $400 billion just for the interest alone. So uh, how are you ever going to balance that budget? It's not going to happen. So my contention and what I've been talking about lately on the show here is no one's ever going to balance the budget. No one's ever going to repay the $20 trillion, And they better pray that the interest rates don't go up too far because, like I've said before, if interest rates go back to their historical norm of 5 or 6%, Let's just call it 5% to make the numbers easier. We would then be looking at $1 trillion a year of just the interest. There's that, So, you know, let's think about balancing the budget at that point. I don't think that's going to happen. So I was telling you about what a trillion was and how far a stack of, remember when I said a stack of $1,000 bills tightly stacked for $20 trillion worth would stretch from Redding to El Paso, Texas, all the way $1,000 bills stacked tightly. Well, that's just to kind of grasp what a trillion really is. Now, what I've done for you this week is I'm analyzing what the area covered by $20 trillion $1 bills. So now we're talking $1 bills. We're going to have $20 trillion. This is the This is what's owed at 2% right now, but it could be higher later. So what would the area covered by one, tr uh, I'm sorry, $20 trillion $1 bills? Well, if you laid them all out in a big square, it would be approximately 80,000 square miles. So... I went ahead and figured, okay, what would a square that comes to 80,000 square miles, what would it look like? Because that's almost too big to even fathom without thinking about it as a map. So I did the math. I looked up my MapQuest directions, and here's what I figured out. Think of a square on the map that goes 140 miles north of Chico up to Weed, if anybody's been through the little town of Weed on I-5. So you draw the horizontal line at Weed, but you draw it all the way across from the Pacific Ocean to Nevada. Then you bring the rest of that square down all the way to Stockton, California. And again, the square goes out into the Pacific Ocean on the west and close to Nevada on the east. So you have a giant square 280 miles across. And those are all dollar bills laid out. That's what the 20 trillion is. So I just thought that would be kind of a fun uh, visual for everybody to figure what the 20 trillion looks like in, uh, in square, square mile area. Another topic that I mentioned a few weeks ago is called the yield curve. I won't get too technical, but what it is is when short-term rates uh, end up higher than long-term rates, you have what's called an inverted yield curve. And 
the reason I'm bringing that up today is that it's a sign that new credit is not being created as fast as the old credit is winding down. Now, since the entire world's economic system runs on credit, that means it's a slowdown. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up today is that China, China, the, the engine that's been running the world economy for the last 10 or 15 years, is beginning to have an inverted, is, looks like it might end up with an inverted yield curve. Now, the thing about an inverted yield curve is there have been recessions without an inverted yield curve, but there has never been an inverted yield curve that's not followed by a recession. So if you understand the point, the point is when an inverted yield curve happens, it always is followed by a recession. Here's the thing, with China going into a recession, what does that mean? Well, for China, if anybody's been reading about China and what they've done over the last 10 years, they've used the credit system to their advantage. They have, if you've heard of any stories about China's ghost cities, they basically built up infrastructure using the credit system knowing that there's going to be a giant worldwide recession. But China has used the system to build cities and railways. They've also used the credit system to purchase a minimum, and this is, nobody knows the, nobody knows the answer to this, but of the, the question, how much gold does China own? The, I would say the minimum guesstimate that I've read is 20,000 tons. Uh, it's, it could easily be double that. Now, keep in mind that the entire amount of gold ever mined in the history of the world is calculated to be around 160 million tons. Which means that this, if they own 20 to 40,000 tons, uh, that's a huge amount of gold. So the other interesting thing is Chairman Mao had said when when President Nixon lifted the dollar away from the gold standard in 1971, and that's the date that I, that's the date that I marked the beginning of this currency that we use called the U.S. dollar, because that's when it changed to a, a, fl a, a piece of what they call fiat money, no longer tied to an ounce of gold or to a gram of gold. That is 1971, and in China, China has a different philosophy. They think in terms of centuries, not in terms of months. And uh, the chairman in China in 1971 says this is the beginning of the end. So China has used this credit system to, number one, accumulate physical gold, and number two, to build cities, build railways, build infrastructure that's sitting there not even used yet. But that's what they spent their money on, knowing that a, a recession's coming. What have, we, what have we done? We have no infrastructure improvements. We have problems with infrastructure all over the country. In my opinion, we have no gold. And gold is going to end up being the anchor that's going to, you know, whatever kind of new, like I say, the $20 trillion that's never going to be paid back, the only way this is ever going to work out in some fashion is to have what's called a reset, where everything gets closed down and they say, okay, Here's the new system. Uh, your hundred thousand you used to have in the bank is now worth forty thousand. Cars now cost double what they did before, but this is our new reset system. Now the United States claims to have eight thousand tons of gold, but Fort Knox hasn't been audited since the 1950s. And being a CPA, I can tell you that if you don't have an audit, you don't have, you know, you don't have proof of anything. So. That would be my answer to uh, who's got the gold. Now, in addition to that, uh, when I say that we're not going to balance this budget, like I was saying, the interest alone right now at these super low interest rates is $400 billion per year. The interesting thing is, as far as trying to balance the budget, the tax receipts that come in, and of course if the economy slows down, the tax receipts go down also, 
the tax receipts that come in would only cover military, Social Security, and Medicare spending. It wouldn't cover any other items. So I, I don't know how anybody can ever consider that the deficit is going to be uh, ever paid back or ba the deficit's not going to be balanced and the $20 trillion's not going to be paid back. That's my, that's my contention. I can't prove it. And if I get proven wrong, I'll be a very happy man because I'm not betting anyone on this, but I'm very happy. Now, the other point of this is that a new system that happens, a new reset system, may end up with gold as its basis. And that if that happens, the countries with the gold are the ones that are going to do better than the countries without the gold. And my, the article I brought up here is from March of 2014. And it's, it's from a place called globalresearch.ca, which I believe is the Canadian uh, .com version. So it's probably a Canadian uh, website here. And the title of this article is Ukraine's Gold. It's a question. Ukraine's, remember the Ukraine war, Ukraine's gold reserves secretly flown out and confiscated by the New York Federal Reserve. And so the article goes on to say, at 2 a.m. on March 7, 2014, an unmarked transport plane was on the runway at Borispol Airport, east of Kiev. According to airport staff, before the plane came to the airport, four trucks and two Volkswagen minibuses arrived, uh, all the truck license plates missing. Fifteen people in black uniforms, masks, and body armor stepped out, some armed with machine guns. They loaded the plane with more than 40 heavy boxes. After that, a mysterious man arrived and entered the plane. All loading was done in a hurry. The plane took off on an emergency basis. And I'm going to get back with a little more of this article about the Ukrainian gold issue in just a minute, so stay tuned. This is getting exciting. The Clarity of Scripture. This is Ken Ham, President of the ministry that built a full-size Noah's Ark near Cincinnati. In recent years, we've discovered thousands of artifacts and documents that date back to biblical times. Do these have value in interpreting the Bible? Well, this week we'll look at ways we can use ancient artifacts to clarify biblical passages. But we need to remember something as we consider this question. The Bible tells us all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness. Even though scripture was written by, and often to, specific people during a time in history, the ultimate author is God. He made sure his word was clear for all people for all time. While ancient artifacts are informative, we really don't need them to interpret Scripture. Go to AnswersRadio.com to learn more about God's Word and how we can know it's true. Sign up for daily email insights from Ken Ham when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. Long-range missile reportedly fired this morning by Iran. 47,000 acres burned. The news lets you know what's going on in the world. But a few things you should know about most news outlets. They don't make money if they don't get good ratings. And they all know that bad news gets good ratings. A violent terror attack outside the American So the more they inflate the bad news, the more gripping a story can seem. Turn off all that bad news and tune in here. We have a podcast. Positive approach to life and always good news. Listen here. You found Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is your host, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. And I was just talking about this article for the Ukrainian gold and there's a, uh, there's a thing called the Gold Antitrust Action Committee that is trying to publicize the fact that the uh, gold is not in our system, uh, Fort Knox doesn't have any, and that the price of gold is constantly being uh, suppressed. And so this GATA, G-A-T-A, uh, following this disclosure, GATA, the, the story I was telling you about where the plane took off, 
Following this disclosure, GATA's Secretary-Treasurer Chris Powell requested the new New York Federal Reserve and the U.S. State Department to indicate whether the New York Fed had taken custody of Ukraine's gold. A spokesman for the New York Fed said simply, any inquiry regarding gold accounts should be directed to the account holder. You may want to contact the National Bank of Ukraine. Um, and this article points out that um, the, the first rule of mainstream financial journalism, because this GATA guy called the issue to the attention of about 30 mainstream financial journalists and newsletter writers, writers in the bizarre hope that they might pose the question as well. And then this article goes on to explain, the first rule of mainstream financial journalism and particularly financial journalism about gold is never to put a specific critical question about the monetary metal to any of the primary participants in the gold market, the central banks. That is, nearly all gold market reporting is by design irrelevant distraction at best, disinformation at worst. So anyway, uh, I just want to move on about this thing. While the unconfirmed report regarding Ukraine's gold reserves has not been the object of coverage by the mainstream, the story was picked up by the Shanghai Metals Market at Metal.com, which states, quoting a report from the Ukrainian government, that Ukraine's gold reserves had been moved on an aircraft from Kiev to the United States in 40 sealed boxes loaded on an unidentified aircraft. Well, that kind of backs up what people saw. And... Uh, it could lead to the... Uh, anyway, uh, so of significance in this interview, there's an interview with a man named William Kay that followed this, is the analogy between Ukraine, Iraq, and Libya. This is the point I was trying to make. Both Iraq and Libya had their gold reserves confiscated by the U.S. According to Kay, the destination was the New York Fed. Of course, you're never going to be able to confirm this because, like I was saying earlier, the newspapers of record, the New York Times and the Washington Post, aren't going to print it. So you can't really ever confirm this. But my main contention here, and the reason I'm saying this about the gold, is that you need, and I've said this before, you need to have money insurance. If the system changes, all you're going to have is a paper statement showing that you have, say, $100,000 in this bank. But... What if the banks close and you can't get to it? What if they, what if they only allow you to withdraw a certain amount of money per, per day or per week? You need to have part of your money in physical gold or silver so that if that happens, you're sort of protecting your money. Now, the other thing about the price of gold, and when I say it's, it's manipulated, it's always manipulated pretty much downward. They probably do it upward too sometimes, but it's a manipulated market. In fact, with the Dow today being just under 22,000, if it hits 22,000 on a closing basis, that's all you'll hear from CNBC and Bloomberg. Uh, that's all they'll be talking about is celebrating Dow at 22,000. But what I want to talk about is the fact that just recently there were 17 days in a row where the price of gold declined. Now remember, this is the price of paper gold but we can still buy small amounts of gold at that price. So you want to take advantage of this opportunity. Uh, now, what I did with the 17 days in a row, I said to myself, okay, now what are the odds? Well, first of all, well, you know, with the whole world blowing up and wars coming everywhere and North Korea problems and Middle East problems, uh, gold should be going up for all intents and purposes, but it keeps going down. So I said to myself, what are the odds of 17 down days in a row if you assume that an up day is a half possibility, a down day is a half possibility? So what I did is I looked up the number that corresponds to uh, having a coin toss go heads 17 straight times. The odds against that are 131,000 to 1. So in other words, it's virtually never going to happen. Now, there's 250 market trading days per year. So for this to happen, would have to go back 131,000 trading days. Guess what year 131,000 trading days ends up being in? 1493. It would have really been cool if it had been 1492 because, you know, that would have been Columbus's landing. But... 
In other words, this could only happen randomly once every 524 years. So what I'm trying to tell you is it didn't happen randomly. And uh, this is probably the, based on the money supply and how much debt we have and how much money's been printed, uh, the price of gold right now is probably lower than it's ever been. It's probably lower than it's ever been in history. So that was my uh, main contention of talking about gold a little bit. Because it's, you know, it's a way for you to protect yourself. I mean, the, if, if people talk about the fact that there's no inflation, why are, uh, why are the houses in Los Angeles, why have they doubled in price over the last five years? I just read that. Why have Chico houses probably gone up, I'm guessing, 50% in the last five years? Um, you know, why do these things occur? Why is the stock market, uh, you know, up by, what, I don't know, 30% in a few months? Um, why is that? Is this, is this actually inflation that they're really not talking about? Uh, that sort of seems to be the case uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I just feel that that is the, um, that's just the, to me, it's, there's definitely inflation. Oh, the other article I meant to talk about, I'm going to look it up right now. The other article is the new Affordable Care Act. That's the official name of, that's the official name of the Obamacare Act. Uh, let me get to this article real quick because I don't want to forget this. This also came through the uh, Enterprise Record, the local paper of record. Oh, I'll tell you another interesting thing about the Enterprise Record. One time I was going to do a little research, sort of like the John Lennon research I was going to do at the Oakland Library. Actually, I did, I did an hour of research at the Oakland Public Library on the John Lennon assassination. I came across some very interesting things. Uh, I'll talk about that some other day. Maybe if we can get a, we can get one of the remaining Beatles to be a guest, I'll be able to talk about that. So the article here that I wanted to mention is California, quote, Obamacare prices jumped 12.5%. Well, isn't that, isn't that special? So whatever premium, if prices go up 12.5%, now after I saw this article, uh, I actually use an agent who is an expert at healthcare because it's too confusing for me to try to learn the whole world of modern-day healthcare premium pricing and to go and figure out which one's best and not get some help. And that's what uh, good insurance brokers are there to help you. So I recommend you always use a professional for your insurance needs. Uh, if you get it wrong, you could end up paying too much, uh, way too much and paying a lot more. But to my mind, if a 12.5% increase, that's one-eighth, by the way, because if you divide 100 by 12.5, you get eight. So one-eighth is going up. So if you're currently paying 400 a month, th according to this, you're going to be paying 450. If you're currently paying 800 a month, you're going to be paying 900. Well, I am a small office, self-employed. I have to cover my, uh, my family. If my premium goes up by 12%, one-eighth, it's going to cost me almost $200 more per month just to pay my premium. And remember, that's for a, a high deductible, low, I'll just call it a high deductible, low benefit plan. So it's, is there any wonder that households have less money to spend? If you're spending 500 to 1000 a month on health care premiums, plus your deductible's high when you do get sick, and you need to go to the hospital or need to go to the doctor, where are you, you going to find that extra four or 500 a month to you know, uh, go out to dinner once a week, uh, take a vacation to Lake Tahoe? Um, where's it going to come from? I can tell you right now, it's not. It's not there. And, so, and the other thing is, all this talk about, oh, uh, retail sales or you know, Macy's and retail's getting hurt because of the internet. Well, don't forget that those places have online stores. 
You can go to Macy's.com and order online. It's not that they're not selling them in the store anymore and that it's all going to online. It's that retail in general, people don't have a lot of money left over. And the reasons for it are things like these healthcare premiums that are basically taking all of the extra uh, disposable income of the average family and basically just uh, eating it up through the health care premiums. So when I read that things are going up another 12.5%, it's like, well, uh, there, goes that, there goes that economic recovery that everybody keeps hoping for. I would say the only reason anybody these days, the average person, the only reason they have extra money is that they have equity in their home just like back in 2006, and they might be tapping into that uh, to buy some things. But uh, So anyway, my whole point also is that if you are stuck and your wages haven't been going up, think about something you can do to be an entrepreneur and become self-employed. I'm going to have a seminar in October, a date and time are not plastered down yet exactly, but it's going to be called the Break the Chain Symposium, and it's going to teach everybody what you need to know to be self-employed. And the only way to really get ahead is to figure out a way to kind of beat the system and become self-employed. The problem is with the taxes on the self-employed, the health care regulations, all of these things, it's not easy. And you end up having to make a lot more money than you think just to make it work. But with people like me and the people who will be at that seminar, uh, we're going to be able to teach you all the things you need to know to at least, whether it works for you or not, at least you'll find out beforehand whether it does. Uh, The other mistake people make is they jump into things too fast without uh, having it all planned out with the proper business plan, the proper professionals to help you. So that's that's my little speechification for today. I really do encourage everybody to start reading a little bit about the national economy. Uh, you can go to um, usdebtclock.org. In fact, I'm going to go to that right now just to make sure I've got that right. I don't want to send you on a wild goose chase around your um, around your browser because uh, I haven't looked this up lately. But it's called... Uh, usdebtclock.org and uh, if you go there you'll be amazed all these little dials are spinning around and uh, I'm going to turn my uh, browser here to the horizontal so I can watch the numbers okay US national debt 19 trillion 968 billion it's not long it's not long until it hits 20 The other interesting one on usdebtclock.org is down toward the bottom right corner. They take the uh, silver price, what the silver price should be based on the number of dollars that are in circulation, and that current number for the silver per ounce price should be $769 per ounce. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be $769 per ounce, but I'm saying that silver is probably the world's most undervalued asset and uh, it wouldn't hurt to buy a little money insurance and get a little bit of it in your portfolio. All those paper stocks and bonds and everything. You know, bonds are interesting. As interest rates go up, the value of your bonds go down. So if your broker's been telling you, oh, don't worry, you're in bonds, and he's indicating that you're very, your money is very safe, uh, be careful because bond prices can go down just like stock prices can go down. And I, I'd hate to see anybody think that they're safe when they might not be. Well, that's been a real fun hour for me. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned a few things. I'll be back on Thursday at 3 for another episode of Business Buzz. Take care and enjoy yourself. Make a lot of money. And we'll talk with you soon. This is Harold Littlejohn signing off. See you Thursday. KKXX Paradise K280GL Chico and K283AR Chico Yuba City Marysville. 
Liftoff. Astronaut Bob the Drop here. There's been a lot of talk about water found on Mars. Why would you go all the way to Mars for water when we have the best tasting water at Mount Shasta? It comes from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great landing, Bob. Hey, where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple. Naturally, the best Mount Shasta spring water. Hall Marketing and Design in Chico would like to remind us that thousands of children who were safe at home a year ago are missing today. Parents, it is important to keep recent photographs, fingerprints, and dental records of your child. If you have any information that may lead to the location of a missing child, report it. This message from Hall Marketing and Design in Chico. Visit them online at hallmarketingdesign.com or call 895-9484. That's 895-9484. They're on the air because they